Hey everyone, I'm Asha Lapps. And I'm Kurt Henry. And we are your hosts for Live Harmony. Live Harmony is about stories that inspire. Being, doing, and having more. Impacting our communities. Relationships that transform. Learning, growing, and giving. Live Harmony, living the life we love. And loving the life we live. Today's guest, Jeff A.D. Martin, is a soul-stirring, thought-provoking, highly requested transformational speaker who has been using his platform to inspire people from around the world. Much of Jeff's love for people can be attributed to his years of involvement as a community advocate, a mentor, and also to his 15-plus years of experience in law enforcement. Jeff is also an author of two critically acclaimed books, Brothers from the Six, Sisters from the Six, Role Models in My Community, and an Amazon best-selling personal development book, New Me, 10 Men, 10 Stories of Perseverance. With his career and life experiences, coupled with his benevolence and passion to inspire, Jeff A.D. Martin shares his gift of purpose and efforts to help others find their true potential. All right, so welcome, Jeff. Kurt, thank you so much for allowing me on your platform, man. This is fabulous. Uh, first of all, congratulations on getting it going. It's amazing. And again, thank you so much for allowing me to be here just to you know, share my voice with your amazing audience. Yeah, I'm looking forward to you sharing your story with, with, with the audience and, and what you're doing right now. It's some big things and, and uh, we go way back too. So this is gonna be- <laughs> Absolutely we do, This should be man. some fun. <laughs> From humble beginnings. That's right. That's right. I was trying to think how long it was when we were, when I was putting this together. I just know it's so far back. It's like middle school, junior school. Yeah, yeah, for sure. From 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 middle school, I, I moved into the neighborhood in uh, the seventh grade. So, yeah, it, it's it's from then. Wow, nice. It's a long time, my friend. <laughs> so good to have you on the show. And uh, thank you for having me. We're we're gonna get into it a little bit. Why don't we just start off? by you just you know defining yourself who's jeff how do you how do you tell everybody about you yeah so i am someone who just simply wants to see people become the best version of them and i i love to help people through public speaking i'm a public speaker i'm an author i'm a mentor and a coach uh, i do a lot of work in the area of diversity equity inclusion i also do a lot of work in self-worth and leadership uh, I spent a lot of my time speaking in schools and in corporations and in everything I do from writing my books to public speaking, everything I do is just really trying to help people to level up in their life and become the best version of them. I see a lot of people who are really just allowing life to take them wherever life wants to go. Uh, you know, it's like a leaf that is, that's fallen into a river and the river goes left, they go left, the river goes right, they go right and they're not taking control of their life. And we are here for a very small moment in time. And while we are here, while we are alive, while we're, our hearts are beating, we have the ability to achieve so many amazing things. And my goal is to always try to help people to level up to become, again, the best version of who they can be so they can make this world, make their life better. And that, that's really what I do in a nutshell. Nice, nice. Love it, love the energy. I want to know, you're, you're a motivational speaker. Yes, sir. 
why don't you just take us on the journey and how you became a, a, a public speaker? Yeah, you know, that that's a bit of a journey for sure. You know, I, I was somebody who just always wanted to help people and I didn't know how I was going to do it. Again, Kurt, you know, going back to high school, you know, if you recall, I was a very quiet guy. I wasn't a loud one. You know, I mean, we had we had louder friends in our in our group of friends back then. Yeah. Um, but I was I was kind of like the quiet kid. You know, I didn't say much. I didn't really find my voice back then. But as I continued along my journey, I always knew that I wanted to find a way to help people, but I didn't know how to go about doing it. And I remember, as you do, Kurt, you know, growing up in that neighborhood that we grew up in, there was a lot of drugs and violence. You know, I held my first gun, I would say, in the ninth grade. And so, you know, we, we, we both probably came across a lot of negative things that we shouldn't have as young people. And I remember even back then always seeing the police around and always thinking to myself, man, like I felt like we were being picked on. I felt like, the, you know, the kids in the neighborhood were always being focused on, negatively focused on. And I thought to myself, how amazing would it be if somebody had that type of level of influence, but they decided to use it for good? And so that's something that always stuck with me. And so as I went on along my journey and, you know, started to get older and try to figure out what path I was going to go through in life, I decided that I was going to become a police officer because I, I decided at that time, based on the influence that I saw, that a police officer had the ability to make impact. And it was up to that individual if they wanted to make a, a positive or negative impact on the people that they were engaging in. And so I became a police officer. And the same year I became a police officer, that was huge for me, of course, you know, that was a huge job for me. And that became the best year of my life. But at the same time, 15 days later, after graduating from police college, it became the worst year of my life. So I remember waking up on a Monday morning and my alarm clock went off and I looked at my phone to get ready for work. And I saw that I had missed 25 missed calls that came in throughout the night. Never a good sign. Never a good sign. And it was all family. And so I knew something was wrong. And so I ended up calling back one of my cousins. And when I called her back at whatever wee hour it was in the morning, when I recognized, when I saw that I missed these calls, I called her back and she was crying. And I said, cuz what's wrong? And she was trying to tell me what was going on, but she was just crying so much. I said, cuz you got to slow down and tell me what's going on. You're scaring me. Like what's happening? And she's finally able to cut through her tears. She said, Omar is dead. And so Omar was my little cousin. Omar was a, a few years younger than me. Omar, in fact, he was my cousin, but he was like a little brother because I'm the one that, that helped him to, to, I taught him about the school system. I taught him about basketball. I taught him how to talk to the young women. You know what I'm saying? And Omar went to celebrate his 27th birthday downtown Toronto at the Phoenix nightclub. And when he went down there, at one point in time, he went outside and a car had pulled up, someone pulled the window down and they pulled out a gun and shot him at point blank range. And at that time, it was such a struggle for me because there's a part of me that wanted to protect and serve, but there's another side of me that wanted to go out there and handle my business. And because of the tough lessons that I learned growing up, and again, Kurt, you know, growing up in a tough neighborhood, you learn a lot of tough lessons. And one of the lessons I learned was revenge. And so I wanted to go out there and to find the guys who did this to my cousin because of the pain that I was feeling, the pain that I saw in the eyes of my family members, and I couldn't take that away. That is something that rocked my spirit, you know, to the core. 
And so it was a real struggle for me for a long time. And then finally, someone was able to tell me, you know, Jeff, things are going to happen in life. And I'm so sorry that you have to go through this. But all of us have the ability to put out energy. And it's up to us in terms of what we do with the energy, how we put it out. Is it going to be negative or is it going to be positive? So at that moment, I decided I could have went and did something negative and been in jail and just been another statistic. Or I could have turned it around and say, I'm going to use this energy, this negative energy that's putting out there. I'm going to use it to make a difference in this world. And it was through that experience that really shaped who I am today. It has put me on platforms that I never even imagined I would be on because I decided that I was going to use the same high level. It was a very high level of energy I was putting out, negative energy of, of considering taking somebody's life. Um, I, but I turned it around in a way that I was able to make great things happen in this world. And so it's through that that I've become this public speaker, that I go into schools. And I love some of these tough, tougher schools you know, where these kids have been through a lot because I know what it's been like. I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like to lose a family member. And so I use my voice, I use my skills in, in, in public speaking, I use my abilities in writing, I use whatever gifts that God has given me to try to make this world better for people who don't realize their full potential. Because uh, Kurt, imagine a world where all of us really were able to step through the fears that we had, we were able to step through the negativity and actually reach our potential. Like I think by now we'd have flying cars, we would have, you know, time machines. Like, imagine if everybody reached their fullest potential. Like, this world would be unrecognizable. But because of the negativity that we go through, because of the doubt that we have on ourselves, because of the haters that we come across that hate on our dreams and our goals, and then we actually believe that stuff, we find ourselves stuck. And so a lot of people never really beat or, or, or hit the fullest potential and live their biggest dreams that they were put on this earth to live. And so I really just through that difficult circumstance of losing Omar, it has transformed my life to being someone of service, really wanting to help people to grow and again, help young people who are going through tough circumstances, but even help adults who have been stuck uh, in their fears, who have been stuck in life and just don't know how to go forward. And again, as I said before, just really using all of those things to help people to become the best version of who they are. Awesome. Love it. And I'm, I'm curious, why speaking? Because you said you were a police officer, so you obviously had a position of fluence there. And I'm just curious, why, why speaking? You were quiet. I think I was one of the quiet ones as well back then. And so this is, yeah. it seems like even a, when you talk about achieving your true potential and want to help people achieve their true potential, it sounds like that was a jump for you, kind of finding your voice in that process and so i'm curious why you chose that avenue and, and what the journey has been like becoming the the powerful speaker that you are today yeah you know i gotta say this so growing up as a kid um way before you and i met i remember this man being on tv martin luther king and you know i'm not that old he was he's, he's been dead and gone before i was born you know what i'm saying but uh, you know, I remember seeing videos of him on TV, not knowing who he was. And every time he spoke, my parents would drop anything that they were doing, no matter what they were doing, they would drop it and they would be mesmerized by this man on TV. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, like this guy just tried, like I could break my arm. I could fall, break my arm. My parents were like, all right, just walk it off. You know what I'm saying? But as soon as this man comes on TV, they just, they're drawn to him. And 
you know, I, as I got older, I started to learn who he was and what he stood for and his ability to draw attention by the way he spoke. And one of the things I love, Kurt, if I wasn't a speaker, I think I might be a DJ because I love how a DJ can just, just they mesmerize an audience by dropping the right song at the right time. And, you know, that's something I absolutely loved. And so just, again, it reminded me of being a public speaker, someone who's able just to draw people in by their words. And so that's something that always attracted me. And so I think that's one of the reasons why I kind of went down that path. And the more I did it is the more I fell in love with it. And now I am a student of the game. I am always studying, uh, practicing, listen to, listening to other speakers, uh, because I, I just think it's such a powerful tool when you are able to share your story it is a game changer. Everything we know about our ancestors or about anything, you know, even biblical, right? All the stories from the Bible have all come through stories, right? And so anything from the history has come through stories. And if you can mold your story into a, you know, a, a, a way um, that's gonna draw an audience. And I think, you know, you have a, a skill that can really change this world, to be honest with you. So that's one of the reasons why I decided to go down the path of public speaking. And how have you seen yourself grow in this process? I'm thinking, what was Jeff's first speech like versus his last speech? Were you just gifted Ooh. like this from day one? No, man, definitely not. Definitely not. You know, I remember the very first time I said to myself, you know, I was a police officer and I said, I know there's not a lot of black men who are police officers. Because even when I was growing up, I didn't see any black police officers. And I remember thinking, you know, I can use this position to try to help some young people. And so I called up a random school and I said, listen, you know, I'm a police officer. I love just to come and just talk to your kids and just reason with them and see what's going on. And they were like, absolutely. So I went down there and I had this plan in my head. I had nothing written out, but I had this plan in my head. I want to tell them this story and that story is going to flow like this. And, ooh, it's going to be nice. I'm going to get a standing ovation. Like, it's going to be awesome. And I went up there and I talked to these kids and... There's kids falling asleep in the crowd. There, like it was, you know, it was just an audience, like, you know, it was just a different type of audience. And I'm telling these stories and it's not flowing the way I thought it would. And, the, you know, the things I think are going to punch, you know, are really going to make an impact or not. And it, the whole thing just falls apart. And at the end of it, I'm like, oh, that did not go the way I thought it would. But what was funny is that a couple of the students came up to me and they're like, Jeff, thank you so much for speaking to us. We really learned something from what you said. And they weren't forced to come up and say that. They said it on their own free will. And I, you know, although I felt bad because it didn't flow the way I thought it would, I was like, maybe I have something here. Because I, you know, even though it was messy, I still was able to share my story. And the more I did that is the more I developed. And so one of the things I always say is that I didn't pursue public speaking, public speaking pursued me. Because my goal that day was not to be this glorious public speaker. It wasn't to go out there and to be, you know, booking speaking events all over the place. My goal was just to really change the lives of those students by sharing my story, even though I didn't have any concepts of what public speaking was. And so since then, just falling in love with it, seeing how the way you tell a story can really enhance, you know, someone's thinking. Um, you, you see eyes open when you tell a story. Again, it's like music. It takes you on a journey. And so that's really what has me on this, this path of public speaking. So yeah, the very first speech was ugly. It was, you know, it's not on tape anywhere. So that's not gonna, as far as I know anyways, I don't think it's gonna show itself, but I wish it would because there's always growth in everything you do. You know, Kobe Bryant didn't become one of the greatest basketball players, you know, overnight. It took him bouncing the ball every single day. 
And if you want to be a great public speaker, you got to work on the craft every single day. Nice. I want to thank you for sharing that story. One of the things that I've, I've always appreciated is that kids tell the truth. And they do. when you, when you hear honest feedback about making an impact, they can also be the biggest motivators. And yes. I'm so glad whoever that kid is, we should find them and thank them one day for giving you that, that moment of inspiration to keep going because I've seen you speak and, and I've been touched as well throughout that whole journey. I uh, appreciate that, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, of course, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it moving here a little bit. You've been speaking now for quite some time. You've been speaking to the youth. And on this note, you've spoken to a lot of them. You've spoken to a lot of them through work and you've spoken to a lot of them on stage and across the country. What are some yes. of those special moments for you? What, what is it that you got the first set of feedback and they said, hey, you had an impact in my life and now you're doing it consistently across the country. What are some of those memorable moments for you as a speaker? Oh man, there are, there are so many, Kurt. Um, and, and you know, I, I am one, of course, yes, you're absolutely right. I've been blessed with the opportunity to speak to so many different people in person. And then of course, as we're dealing with COVID virtually, I've done quite a bit of virtual talks over the last uh, year, year and a half. You know, there's a few of them that stand out for me. I'll quickly share. So one of them, I went to a school in the Jane and Finch area. Uh, it was an elementary school and I went there and I spoke. And I know like, I, as soon as I opened my mouth, the kids were absolutely mesmerized. And what I realized, Kurt, is that, you know, I, I won when I walked into the room, not because I was a speaker, but because I was a black man, something that a lot of these children did not see a black man, a positive black man that was doing something positive. Unfortunately, something these a lot of these children did not see in that neighborhood. I spoke and at the end of the speech, I had maybe 16 or 17 young girls in grade seven, grade eight, all run up to me and they hugged me. And I was like, oh, wow. And they, they just wouldn't let go. And eventually it was, they became a little, a little awkward. I'm like, okay, my hands are up. Like, you know, like this is, this is awkward here. And the teacher's like, okay, kids, come on, go back to class, go back to class. And when they all went back to class, the teacher turned to me and said, of all those girls that came up to you, not one of them has a father at home. Mm. And it shook me because I was able to make an impact within an hour speaking to these kids. And he said to me, some of these girls would never open up to anybody. Some of these girls are some of the hardest girls that I've ever seen but you came into our school and spoke to them and they felt compelled to come up to you and give you this massive hug. And again, they just wouldn't let go. It really invoked some emotion in me because again, just to know that this is the impact that I could have. Funny enough, one of those girls, she still is in touch with me. That was about five years ago. Really? She's still, yeah, she's still in touch with me on, on social media. Uh, in fact, I spoke to her two days ago. She's kind of dealing with some stress, stresses at home. And so again, you know, it just, it just shows the impact that you can have. Another situation that I had, I, I spoke to another elementary school at grade eights, and I, I did three, four sessions with them. And at the end of the last session, this one girl came up to me and she said, you know, Jeff, um, I've been listening to what you're talking about, about self-love, self-worth, believing in who you are, and not allowing anybody to stop you from doing the things you want to do, living your dreams. And she said, I decided to take your advice and I'm going to stop doing something. And she pulled up her sleeve 
and I could see that she had self-inflicted wounds all down her, her arm. And she said, because of you, Jeff, I'm going to stop self-harming. Hmm. And I was like, wow. Again, the impact that you were able to have, you just don't know what somebody's going through. You know, you don't see it on our face. Someone could smile with you and they are in the deepest depression that they've ever been in. And we just don't know it. We just don't see it. And teachers spend a lot of time with students and sometimes they don't see it because it's they, these children can hide it very well. Adult, you know, we all can hide these, the things that we go through very well. And again, to know that this is the impact that I had on this young woman was phenomenal. You know, these are the things I never expected as I developed into a public speaker. I was always focusing on, you know, getting my, my words right and, and ensuring that it flows well. And maybe I could impact someone by saying, okay, I'm going to go to university now where I didn't think I could go to university before. But I, I start to realize real quickly that it's, it's so much deeper than that. It's, it's the brokenness that we as human beings have and, you know, I'm not going to fix anybody within an hour, four hours, you know, five hours, you know, depending on what's, what's going on with my, my talks, but it's planting that seed. And when we're able to plant that seed, that's where things start. You'll never have that tree until you plant that seed. And so I love to plant these seeds. And then I've done mentorship work as well, where I now am watering these seeds for some of these young people. And again, even adults as coaching, helping to water those seeds for it to blossom into that tree that that they can be and so yeah that's just a couple of stories um i do have others as well but you know it, it's it's been a fantastic journey so far awesome thank you for sharing that it's always amazing for me to see how when you hear the right message from the right person the impact it can have on someone's life and you consistently share this message of I'm going to say self-love um, and, and teaching people to love themselves and appreciate themselves and to be grateful for who they are and, and be willing to grow from there. And you know, I've always just listening to the, to, to you online, on social media, I always hear that consistent message and it's always good to see and hear it in person and, and that energy that you give when you, when you deliver and, I can imagine how these kids are feeling and, and how that's making an impact in people's lives. Yeah, you know, it, it's so funny you said that you talked about self-love, which reminded me of another circumstance. You know, I do a lot of talks in prisons and over COVID-19, I've been doing quite a few uh, virtually. And one of the questions I've been asking these guys, you know, when you talk to these guys in prisons, they're sitting in their orange jumpsuits, there's an image of hardness. But when you start to dig in and really talk to these guys, you recognize that they're just broken little boys. They're all grown men, like beards, grays in their beards and their hair, but they're broken little boys. And I asked a question, I've been asking quite the same question to every group I've been speaking to. And I say, when was the last time you heard the words, I love you? And one of the guys said, it's been about a year. And I said, it's been about a year that you've heard someone say to you, I love you. And he said, yeah, you know, I don't know how you can function that way. That's something I think a lot of us take for granted that we have people around us that love us. You know, we throw out the words, I love you. I love you too. We don't even really think about it, what the deepness is of, of, of that, that phrase. But here is someone who hasn't heard it in about a year. And then I, t I said to him, when was the last time you heard the words, I love you to yourself? 
And out of all the groups I've spoken to, they all say, I've never said that to myself. And so, yes, it's important that we do speak about self-love because you can't learn to love anybody else until you truly love who you are. You can't teach someone how to love you until you know how to love you. And so I challenge these grown so-called hardened criminals. I challenge them. I say, listen, I know where you live right now. I know you're in a circumstance where you can't really show emotion, but I'm going to challenge each and every one of you. The next time you're in front of a mirror, even if you have to whisper it, because again, you're in a place where you talk about love, you might get beat down. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. But you know, the next time you're in front of a mirror, look at yourself directly into your eyes and say your name and say, I love you. Like, I love you, Jeff. I absolutely love you. And every time I say that, they're like, yeah, we promise we're going to do that. Nice. And yeah, again, self-love is so important. You know, that's why there's so much hatred in the world, because I believe it starts by, you know, you hate yourself. Like if, if you can't stand yourself, then why would I like anybody else? You know, if, 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 if I can't stand who I am, then it's easier for me to go out there and commit a crime. It's easier for me to go out there and commit murder because I can hate you if I hate myself. So it does, everything I believe does start with self-love. And when we're able to learn to do that effectively, then we can be, again, the best version of who we are supposed to be. Thank you, Jeff, for that. It is awesome. I want to shift gears a little bit to you becoming an author. Yes, sir. And you have a couple of books under your belt, both, both best-selling books. You got Brothers from the Six. You got New Me. Yes. Ten Men, Ten Stories of Perseverance. And we'll start off with Brothers from the Six and how that book came about. And you can even give everybody a little bit of brief, you know, what inspired the book and, and what that journey's been like, you becoming an author. Yeah, so what inspired that book was exactly what I'm speaking about here, going to elementary schools and asking these students, what, and even high schools, asking them, what do you want to do when you get older? And a lot of these kids will say, I want to be the next LeBron James. I want to play in the NBA. You know, I want to be the next YouTuber. I want to be the next NFL star. And, you know, unfortunately, when we're speaking about our kids, black kids, oftentimes these are the images that they see. They don't see the doctors. They don't see the lawyers. They don't see the, the, the accountants. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're not seeing these things. They're seeing the ones who are glorified, the, the basketball players, the rappers, the, the, the YouTube stars. And so... I decided to create this book because I wanted to show our students some real life role models from the greater Toronto area, which of course is where, where I live and where, where we grew up. And, you know, I, I want them to see that we do have lawyers and doctors and, and, and entrepreneurs, people who are doing amazing things, people who are making an impact in the world. But yes, they're not going to have the same TV influence like LeBron James would. And shout out to LeBron James, because he's doing amazing things off the court, which I absolutely love. That's a whole nother conversation. But, you know, we want our children to see that there's lawyers down the road that they can actually see. There's, there's doctors and veterinarians who grew up in their neighborhood who are smashing their goals. But again, because they don't get the same TV time, they're not going to get the same exposure. And so the book was created just to show a few of these people from the greater Toronto area that these kids can look at and say, oh, they're from my neighborhood. They grew up very you know, similar to me, and they're actually really doing amazing things. So that's why that book, Brothers from the Six, Sisters from the Six, Role Models in My Community, that's why that book was created. And then the second book, New Me, 10 Men, 10 Stories. How did that one come about? So you, you did the first book, and that's a, a, a 
children's book right, designed yes. for, for youth at a younger age. I have a copy myself. I read it to my daughter whenever I can, just for the record. I uh, love it. So love I, it. I recommend everybody <laughs> I get a that, copy man. of it. <laughs> right. So I recommend everybody get a copy of it. Really, really good book. And because it has both sides of it, it's good for, you know, anybody that's looking for inspiration, especially in our community here. And then you went on to do New Me with 10 Men. Tell me about that. Yeah. So that book is myself and nine other guys. So 10 men. And we all share stories of things we've been through. We speak about circumstances where we fell down, but more importantly, how we were able to get back up. You know, I think it's very easy for us to see success. You turn the TV on, you see Beyonce, you see Rihanna, you see Kevin Hart's, you see Drake's, you see the success. But what we don't see is while they were going through their journey where they fell down and how they got back up. And those are the lessons we all need to learn. When they fell down and wanted to give up, how did they get back up? And so within this book, the 10 of us share stories within our own lives, how we had problems, how we struggled with things, and how we were able to get back up and the lessons we used to get back up. And so what you'll find in the book is that everybody has a chapter, and we all share a story in that chapter. And at the end of the chapter, there's a list of lessons that we learned through that circumstance. So for me, I spoke about my cousin Omar and losing him uh, to gun violence. That's the story that I share in the book. And I spoke about, you know, I go into more detail in terms of how I wanted to you know, go out there and seek revenge, but then how I was able to turn around and, you know, really make an impact in people's lives through that difficulty I, I had gone through. And so, yeah, the whole idea is really just to help people because ultimately when there's 10 stories in there, you may not like my story, but you might love another person's story. And so that's the whole idea that there's got to be a story in that book that's going to grab you and say, wow, like I need to make change in my life because this person went through something very similar to me. And so again, it's just a, along the lines of, of who I am, just really trying to help people. Although it's 10 men, 10 stories of perseverance, we know that men struggle with vulnerability. Men struggle with, you know, really trying to open up. And so this is 10 men opening up about stories that are embarrassing to them, that are, 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 are gruesome at times, but we decide to share because we recognize there's a bigger impact that we can have that goes beyond our own fears and our own embarrassments. And so again, although it's 10 men, we've had women who've read it as well. And they're like, this book has been such an impact in my life. You released the book. I, I was there at the book launch. Excellent. Yes. Excellent. Thank you for coming. Production you guys put on. And all of these 10 men are also great speakers because they all, they all delivered their stories on that day too. And I really enjoyed that. Putting together these 10 men, it's, I can imagine I, I'm in a few men's groups myself and yes. it's a leadership role. It's a responsibility Ooh. bringing this together. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm curious how that journey and experience was for you. Most people write books by themselves and you took the challenge of, of really bringing together 10 men, 10 successful men with busy lives. I can imagine the time it took kind of bring everything together to sit down and buckle down and put the pieces together. What was that like from a leadership perspective, bringing these men together? Well, funny, I believe that there's always growth in everything you do. And I was stretched in that circumstance. I was really stretched. Because, you know, I, I failed to recognize when I started it, but of course I see it now at the end of the journey that I'm dealing with not just 10 men, but 10 personalities, including my own. 
And men oftentimes don't like to be challenged. You know, some personalities don't want to be challenged. Some personalities don't want to be led because they believe and they are leaders in their own right. And so it, it really takes a, a humble person, a person who's really willing to understand that, you know, although I am a leader in my own right, there are times that I have to be led. And I think leaders can be led. Leaders need to be led sometimes because we're not going to know everything in every circumstance. And so, yes, there was times, I remember one specific story, there was one man and there, there were certain parameters with the book, you know, things I asked them to do when they're writing their story. And it had to be, I don't remember exactly what it was, 2000 words or something like that. And uh, there's one guy who came to me and said, Jeff, I've written 1700 words and I'm done. And I said, we talked about you, like we all need to have at least 2000 words because I don't want one person's story to be two pages and someone else's to be 50. Like it has to be uniform to a certain degree. And he said, well, I wrote 1700 words. I have nothing left. And I said, you have nothing left. You can't put another 300 words, like put a couple ums and ahs and, you know, stretch <laughs> it out a bit. And he's like, no, I have nothing left. And I recognized that that was, that was him trying to stand up to me. And again, you know, it's not about standing up to me, but it was about him, you know, trying to show like, I'm a leader too. And, you know, it, it's finding ways to kind of navigate through those circumstances to show him that you have so much more in you. It's not about 1700 words. Right now you are challenging me because, you know, it's, it's me trying to, trying to lead, again, 10 personalities. And some of them didn't want to be led as, you know, in, in the same fashion. And so we were able to work it out. He got to his, his 2000 words. And in my opinion, you know, he has one of the, one of the greatest stories in the book, but yeah, that's one of the challenges that I faced and, and learned is that, yeah, when you're dealing with people uh, specifically, again, men, um, not everybody wants to be led the same way. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it was definitely a learning process for me. And I think, again, it's made me stronger because I had to find different ways to navigate through different people. Some people are, are good if you give them a straight command. Other people are better if you kind of pat them on the back a little bit and, you know, give them that praise and then you give them the command. You know, I had to learn all these things while navigating through trying to um, work with 10 different men. Nice. And so you got the, these two books are out. By the way, I have new me as well. I picked up both books Thank in person. You. So where can they get a copy of, of these books? Yeah, you can go to my website, jeffadmartin.com, and everything is there. Um, you can just hit the tab for the books. And I'm working on another one that I'm hoping to have out this year as well. I don't have a title yet, but I'm still working through the concepts of it. But the plan is to have it out in 2021. All right, so look out for that. I recommend everybody get a copy of both of those books if you have young people in your life and, and or you're a grown-up person that's going through some challenges and wants to see how other people have persevered. I'm sitting down here and I'm, I'm listening to you. I'm still mesmerized by, by what you're saying. And I'm thinking about our journey from, from where we were to where we are today. Yes, absolutely. And one of the things that, that stood out for me in my journey was one time somebody saying, um, you're not from the hood. And I was, and it was my really first time of saying, like, you have no idea what I've been through to transform my life the way it is. And I'm wondering, what was that journey like for you in terms of coming from where we've come from to where we are now? What has that been like for you? Yeah, that's a great question because, you know, you are a product of your environment, no matter what that might be. 
you know, you can have someone who is raised, you know, with a gold spoon in their mouth and they're going to be a product of their environment. You can have someone who's raised in a very tough neighborhood. They are a product of their environment. So there was a lot of unlearning that I had to, I had to do. Some of that unlearning was because again, you're raised in a tough environment. You don't see a lot of positive role models or people doing amazing things. You don't, you know, doctors who look like you or lawyers or, or entrepreneurs or even, again, police officers, you know, who look like you don't parade around your neighborhood when you're in a tough neighborhood. And I, I, I do know now as an adult that they come from those neighborhoods as well. But again, they don't parade around the neighborhoods. So you don't necessarily see what that looks like. I do believe that that representation matters. And I think it's important that we do show our children different walks of life so they can recognize that they can achieve anything that they want to achieve. And so I would say that that's one of the things I lacked for a long time growing up that I had to learn. You know, I, I'm definitely privileged to have both parents in my life, to have both parents married even to this day, still alive, still kicking, still doing their thing. And I know that some of my friends didn't have that. And so I know that that was one of the blessings that I had because my parents introduced me uh, to church, to having a relationship with God. And so that's one of the things that helped me to stay on the path, the positive path. You know, I, I got into a bit of a trouble, a bit of trouble growing up. I didn't get into a whole lot of trouble. You know what I mean? I wasn't one of the bad kids, so to speak. But again, growing up in those environments, you know, you're going to learn a lot of tough lessons, some that you'll take for the rest of your life, some of them you've got to let go of transitioning into who I am today is just a reminder that no matter where you start, it's not about that. It's about your finish. You can grow up in a tough neighborhood with nothing in your pocket and you can, you can be the, you know, the biggest billionaire that this world has seen. The choice really comes down to you. It comes down to your decisions. It comes down to the impact that you can make in this world. We all are going to have a legacy when our heart stops beating but it's up to us what we want that legacy to be. That homeless guy who lays in the street, he has a legacy. Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, they have a legacy. But ultimately, when we are traveling along our journey of life, what do we want our legacy to be? You know, I, I posted something a while ago and I said, you know, with the, with the, the lifespan of the earth, I don't remember what it is, but the lifespan of the earth and how long human beings have been on this planet you know, in comparison, a human being's life is only 141 seconds. So we are here for 141 seconds. What are we going to do with that 141 seconds? And so although I grew up in a tough neighborhood, I grew up, you know, around, you know, a lot of negativity, I still get to choose how I use my 141 seconds. I get to choose the impact that I can make with my 141 seconds. There are examples every day, people who have come from poverty and, and difficulties and you hear the Oprah's and you hear the, you know, so many people have come from different circumstances and they've made a huge impact in the world. And so that's my goal is really just trying to make the biggest impact I can while I'm here, because I think we can all leave a legacy behind that someone else behind us can build off of. And for me, that's what it's about. Love it. When you talk about legacy and what you're leaving behind, what's, what's the mission? I know you talked about helping people achieve their true potential. Is that the legacy? Is there more to it? What is the legacy that you're looking to leave? I would say that's exactly it. It's, it's helping people to find their biggest potential. Again, you know, I, I, well, 
I've heard uh, one of you and I, uh, our favorite speakers, Les Brown, I've heard Les Brown say the richest place on the planet is the graveyard because that's where everybody, that's where they take their dreams and their goals. That's where they take the things that really could have been a game changer in this world. That's where they've taken it and allowed it to die. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I think about the Wright brothers who created the flying machine, right? The airplane. Kurt, you and I look in the sky and we hear the noise and we see an airplane going by and we say, oh, that's just an airplane. We don't even think anything of it. It's just an airplane. But when they were inventing this crazy thing called a flying machine, their father, who was a, a Baptist minister, said that they were possessed by the devil. And he demanded that they stop trying to make this crazy device. I kind of compare it to if somebody said now that they're trying to create a time machine, people would look at them like they're nuts. It's the same idea. But because they decided to create this, this flying machine, somebody else was able to build on top of it. And now we have planes that travel so fast around the world. I hear they're creating something that's supposed to travel, you know, I, I don't know, within half an hour from one end of the world to the other. They're creating, you know, rocket ships now that are trying to bring human beings to Mars and to, and to you know, just regular people like myself, you and I, not astronauts, you know, to, 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 to the moon, uh, Elon Musk, right? And, and so these are things that were built off of this crazy of, of, of flying machine. And so all of us have such a high potential to do amazing things, but we are held back by fear, by doubt, by the, the, the voices of others. And so, yeah, ultimately my goal is really just trying to help people to find, become the best version of who they are. That is what I would love to leave behind. That is a part of my legacy. Uh, lastly, I'll say this, you know, they say that like, you know, I, I don't know who invented the pencil. I don't know who invented the chair. I don't know who invented carpets. And if you Google some of these things, you're going to find names that are attached to it. But for the most part, like I don't know who invented these different things, the lawnmower. I don't know who invented these things. But the essence of who they are is still here. The essence of who they are is still here. And all of us can leave that same level of impact. It's not about having my name in lights. I don't need to be remembered like, you know, a Michael Jackson or a Prince or an Elvis. I don't need that. It's the essence of who we are as individuals, leaving that behind so somebody else, another human being can elevate what we did and take it to another level. Nice. There would never be a cell phone unless there was a, a phone that was created, right? And so it's, it's taking those ideas and elevating it. And so, yeah, that's what it's about for me. In one of our previous episodes, I, I let people know that my purpose from a generational perspective is to be able to touch the lives, lives I'll never be able to meet. And oh, I can love see that. the essence in that in, in everything that you're saying. So I know we're on the same page. Absolutely. Jeff, I know we're coming to, this has been a, a great, I got a couple more questions for you. Absolutely. And I know that you're at the point where you're growing, you're helping people grow at the same time. And you got a family in all of this. Yes. And, yes. And I have three kings so, and yeah. a queen. <laughs> three sons and a wife <laughs> nice and how has that journey been just even becoming a father and then going through that journey with with your wife and supporting you you know and becoming a speaker doing what you love and because in the beginning it's it's not easy right absolutely absolutely fatherhood is has been phenomenal and of course you and I could speak about that how being a father changes your life because it's no longer just about you. 
It's not about me going out and buying Jordans, trying to buy this fancy car or, you know, these rims for my, 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 my vehicle, my car. It's about making an impact again on the world, of course, but making an impact on your child, a direct impact. And that is so important to me. Again, as we spoke about growing up in a tough neighborhood and uh, learning lessons and even not learning certain things. We talked about you and I, Kurt, we talked to the other last week um, off air about finances and learning about finances. And this is something, unfortunately, that a lot of people don't, do not learn. The school system doesn't really teach financing. And so for me, because I know that I am responsible for the three lives that have been, been, I've been blessed with, it's important for me to teach them lessons that I didn't know. Someone said that to me once. They said, don't teach your children what you didn't have. Give them what you, they, sorry, don't give your children what you didn't have. Give them what you didn't know. And so what I did not know was finances growing up. And so it's my job now, it's my, my, my duty to teach my children the things that I did not know, which includes finances. And so now at the age of 11 and eight, my two oldest ones, the youngest one is three, so he just wants to play. But the 11 and eight year old, they understand stocks. They understand a bull market and bear market. They understand shares and IPOs. They dividends, they get it. They understand it because I've taught them to it, taught this to them because I believe that if I can teach them some of these lessons now, then they will be a beast at 25. They will be unstoppable at 45. They can start changing the landscape for their children and the community that's around at that time. And so, yeah, being a father has been such a game changer for me, being able just to teach them these lessons pass on these things that I didn't know to try to enhance their life. It's been awesome. Thanks for sharing that. What's next for Jeff? Yeah. So like I said, right now, I'm really focused in on creating this book. So this book is, is focused, it's towards the grade six to grade eights, that age group, because that's where our, a, lot, a lot of our boys fall off of reading. A lot of people don't read. I think the stat is, you know, once you leave college or university, uh, adults read less than one book a year, which is, which is insane. And Kurt, you and I know that there's so much information with reading. You can become someone who is poor. You can be someone who's filthy rich from reading. And it's a game changer. And so I want our children to fall back in love with reading. And so the book that I'm creating uh, right now is for that age group trying to engage all our children, but more specifically our boys, to continue reading. It's a book that speaks about diversity and inclusion and some of the things that have happened in the world. So we all know that last year, in and around this time, the situation that happened in the U.S. with George Floyd and how it impacted the world. And the conversation has been different. People have been asking questions about, you know, I didn't know this was going on. And some people had no idea that Black folks were being treated this way. Uh, unfortunately, Kurt, you know, you and I are, are recording this now. It's been about a week or a week and a half where there was a, a, a beautiful family of Muslim faith in London, Ontario, who was run over, run down, and they all died except for the one boy. You know, we know we're still dealing with a lot of issues. And again, in Canada, people think that racism does not exist in Canada. So the book is going to, uh, it's a story, it's a novel, uh, it's a, a fiction. And it's gonna, uh, it takes place where a circumstance happens, a racial circumstance happens to a boy who's in grade eight and it gets caught on social media and it goes viral. And so the conversation now has to be had in the classroom and they speak about race. They speak about biases. They speak about the differences between us as, as human beings, 
uh, they speak about some of the Canadian history that isn't shared in our schools and our classrooms. And so these are some of the things that are going to be included in this book. I promise you it's going to be a game changer for that age group. Um, it's going to be a game changer for schools as well, because a lot of our teachers, as great of, of, the, of a job that they're doing, a lot of our teachers aren't speaking about racial issues and discrimination, and it needs to start at a younger age. This book is going to help our teachers. It's going to be a bit of a guide that teachers can use uh, to have that conversation and get this conversation going earlier um, for our kids. Because again, it's happening and our kids are having the conversation. And if we as parents think that they're not, then we are doubting ourselves. And it's better off that they get the information from a source that is accurate as opposed to just getting it from their friends. And so this book is, is really focused again in on uh, discrimination and, and, and biases and diversity and inclusion and really just trying to have our kids continue to read and to learn and to grow so again there's no title for the book yet but it will be out in 2021 looking forward to it and i know you always create some really good content so this is going to be good to your point earlier i didn't pick up on reading till i became an adult too right i yeah. came you know we came from the generation of cole's notes where yes. you got <laughs> <laughs> you got the short version of everything, anything you can do not to read the book, you, you right. find a way and, and Cole came along and solved our problems. So absolutely. Yes. Yes, for in sure. My, in Bastion. my older life. <laughs> yes. Yes. But in my older life, I, I know the importance now of reading, reading the full book and taking it in and, and getting the full story. So I'm glad absolutely. that you're, you're continuing to support that for our young people and our young generation. And you're doing it for our, for our adults too. Yes. And how do they how do they get in touch with you? How do they you know, if they want you to speak, they've heard this, the power, your presence. How do they get a piece of Jeff A.D. Martin? What, what do they do? Yeah, for sure. Google me, Jeff A.D. Martin. Google me. I will pop up. You can go to my Web page, Jeff You can hit me up on social media, Instagram, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn. Again, Jeff A.D. Martin. Yeah, again, Google it, Jeff. You got to remember the AD. You got to put that in there. Uh, but Jeff, AD, Martin, and I will pop up. Love it. So my closing question for today is something that I've been fascinated with. It's, it is the inspiration behind this podcast. And I'm just going to ask you first words or thoughts when you hear the word harmony. When I hear the word harmony, I think unison. I think coming together you know growing up I used to sing in a choir and the harmony was the sweetest piece because you are finding you know two to three even four notes musical notes that came together and they made just this, the most sweetest sound you could ever hear and that was harmony you know when you bring these notes together and they're, they're three or four different notes but they're all traveling in the same direction so to speak and again, it, it, it was such a beautiful sound when people came together and brought these three different notes together that traveled the same direction. And to me, that's what harmony is. It's being able to come together in one way, one fashion, whatever it might be through podcasting, through writing, through music, through uh, public speaking and travel in the same direction, meaning moving in a direction that's going to enhance the life of people. And I believe we all can find harmony within our own lives. We all can find harmony within our communities. We can find harmony in this world. There's a lot of disharmony, you know, the, I don't know if that's the opposite of harmony, um, the, the crime, the violence, the hatred, 
the, the hatred because of someone's skin color, because of their sexual orientation, because of where they're from, the neighborhood they grew up in. Kurt, you and I know because we live in a tough neighborhood, that the hatred because you lived in, on one block and the people who lived two blocks down were your enemies, not because there was anything else, but you just living on two different blocks. Like this, this is the hatred that we see in our world. And I think it's so important that we continue to spread love, to spread hope. That is, that's the harmony that we need to see. We need to work together to make this and get this done. I heard for the first time, which is funny, uh, the African proverb that said, if you had enough spiders, they can tie down a lion. That's harmony. If we are working together, we can do anything. That's harmony. That's harmony to me. Awesome. Thank you for joining us today on Live Harmony, Jeff. This Thank has you, been friend. an amazing, amazing show for me today. Really enjoyed speaking to you. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing you continue on your journey. I uh, just want to see you keep winning and doing what you're doing and touching lives. And glad to have you here. Oh, man. Thank you for having me again. This is a great platform. Congratulations on getting it up and going. And this here, this platform is going to change lives that you've probably, you know, don't even see it yet. But it, it's, it's going to make, you know, it's going to reach people on different continents that you've never been to, that you may never get to. Um, it's going to make such an impact. So thank you for allowing me to be on it and just share your space for, you know, this, this time frame that we've been speaking. Thank you for listening. We'd love to hear from you. Check the description to get details on how you can contact us and share your thoughts. Remember to follow this podcast so that you get notified when a new episode is released. Feel free to leave a rating and review as well. Live Harmony is available on all of the major platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Check your preferred podcast platform for availability. You can also follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Live Harmony. You can also email us at info at liveharmony.com. And until next time, continue inspiring each other to live in harmony.